0: Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode. I'm coming to you from a very rainy early evening here in San Diego and actually got out today for a quite isolated hike in the middle of nowhere, which felt amazing to get my feet in the dirt and just get some some play in. For me, that really is play to be outside and, you know, climb up a big hill. So that was really fantastic. And I feel like I'm better mentally equipped now to deal with the quarantine and to and to be in what looks like a week of rain here, which I think presents the quarantine in a bit of a different way. So I'd love to hear how you all are doing with the quarantine and and what is play for you, you know, even if it's just getting out for a walk around the block if you have a natural place you can go I know so many things are closed down and I'm lucky that I I know the nearby mountains well enough I can get out there but anything you can do just to get a little time in nature especially if you can get your feet in grass or on dirt I think that's hugely important for our nervous systems and our DNA actually responds to that so I hope that you're able to get out and do and do some of that and I'm really excited about this episode I have on my first ever repeat guest Justin Sinclair He's a licensed a licensed marriage and family therapist, and uh, you'll hear all about him in the episode. But it's just such a fun talk. We you know we talk about play and how he relates with his kids, and um, just ways that we can hold on to and, and process trauma. And we talk about different images. So I think you'll love the episode. I certainly loved recording it, and it's fun to put it out. So yeah, I think other than that, I have continuing to to happen the daily ritual uh, morning routine program is going on. And I'm going to lean more into that. So if that's something you're interested in, that's going to show up in a few different ways. And I think we'll probably have a free, a free week or two of implementing morning, morning routines and daily rituals, because I think that's really important in learning the best, the best ways that we can take care of ourselves during this time is to be able to really take that time to quiet down and to find a center. And then again, to go on and make choices based on who we really are. So enjoy this episode. I certainly did. And thank you as always for tuning into the podcast. Podcast. Please watch on YouTube. Please subscribe to this channel. Please like. Please tell your friends. All those good things that you do to support a podcast that you like. Uh, I really appreciate it and enjoy the episode. Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I have a repeat guest to the podcast, which is very exciting. Uh, I have with me today Mr. Justin Sonseri. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he is taking Instagram by storm. I think he's probably quadruple millioned his uh, his followers since last time. Uh, under the And he uses the hashtag stuck, not broken.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's, he's doing some great work in the world. So thanks for being here, Justin.
1: You're super welcome. Now, am I the first repeat guest? You are
0: the first repeat guest. So, I mean, my day, is,
1: my day is complete. I was hoping <laughs> that was the first one. Yes.
0: Nice. Yeah, you are. i genuinely excited um,
1: and, about that. I'm very excited about that.
0: I am too, and I'm. I always like talking to you. So I was, right. I was messaging you the other day, just picking your brain about some other stuff, and yeah. it's like, hey, come on back. So thanks for, thanks for just saying yes. Absolutely, That's great. absolutely. Um, and I'd love to get your take right now. We're in the midst of, you know, quarantine, and a lot of people in isolation, and you're also in California, so we're on the statewide sort of um, lockdown. Just curious, what, what your take is really on. What's happening with people's systems right now?
1: Um, I am, well, first off, I think I'm surprised at the recognition of how important it is to connect with each other. Mm. And I, I think just in the media with government, with, I expected it just to be like, stay home, get used to it, good luck. But there is a recognition that like, connecting with each other is, is super important. And I'm seeing that I don't do a whole lot of media and social media consumption, but I do see it out there. And I think it's outside of like the therapeutic community. It does seem like people get that it's really important for us to connect. And now rather than demonizing technology, we're actually embracing it, which I'm actually really excited about because I don't like to demonize technology. It does a lot of really good things. And that stuff, you know, like you and me talking right now, I get to talk to an adult. I'm like super excited about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the record show, Justin has just put his children to bed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) um you know my, my wife goes to work every day i'm working from home um she's doing public health stuff so she she's in wow. an office um doing a lot of coordinating kind of stuff <clears throat> my kids are home with me and um, i don't get a whole lot of adult time so without this i don't know if i'd have that you know what i mean like because we're, we're we're taking the quarantine stuff pretty darn seriously um so i think people are appreciating how important it is to connect with each other and in person is obviously ideal but even something like this, or over the phone, hearing another voice, it just to help like keep your sanity, like to keep some level of connection, some level of feeling safe. I think it's very, very important. I think people are getting that. And I think for me personally, like I'm really appreciating that. I like alone time. I do really well when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. And I think I've had my fill. You know what I mean? Like I'm ready to, when I I went went out tonight to pick up from a couple of stores, just some groceries. And I'm like, oh, more adult time. I get to accept bags from somebody. (laughs) you know what I mean so I'm like oh I get to smile at people I get to hear their voice like I'm really gonna soak this up and I really rather than rushing through it or minimizing it I'm like no this is important I'm gonna really soak this up while I have it and I think people are appreciating that more I'm worried about people um, I don't know I don't know I don't know where they're at I think for me I get a little stir crazy after a couple days of non-interaction Going outside to walk has been extremely helpful. Um, Going outside with my kids to ride bikes. Like I'm really appreciating that stuff a lot more. I think people are going to drop down into like this anxious flight place. But I don't know. Some people might get super upset and more of an aggressive place and say, F this, I'm going out. Some people might get super like shut down and more of a depressed, detached, numb kind of place. I don't don't know. I I don't know where everyone's at. And it's probably a big spectrum of that of how that looks for everybody you know but hopefully hopefully we're doing things as much as possible to ground ourselves to connect with people we do have in our home or even by phone or whatever it is like hopefully we're connecting with people as much as we possibly can it's extremely important i think that like that connection with real people and then also going outside i think are absolutely key going outside looking up at the sky i've I've spent some time just staring at the sky just for a couple of minutes, I'll look up and just kind of take in the colors and the, cl- I love looking at clouds. Um, and, and so like that, that, and just feeling the air and like all those things mm-hmm. just to kind of really help ground myself and stay connected to the world.
0: Yeah. I think the the time in nature creates some normalcy in our systems absolutely especially cuz i think even we are doing more technology which i agree with you i really love it and i'm so grateful for platforms like zoom which is relatively yeah. easy and free yeah um right. and just to see other people's faces i think does create some of that safety but to be able to get outside every day and feel your feet on the ground and you know i live by the ocean so i look at the the ocean a lot and the trees and the parrots and it's to me it feels just incredibly stabilizing and like oh i'm still here the world's still here like it's not it's not all Completely, a hundred percent changed. I think it creates a, a sense of normalcy.
1: Yeah. So you, you're right out. is the ocean, right, like right outside your door. Is it walking distance?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We can see it from our living room what? window. Oh I know. I know. It's great. Lucky,
1: all right. No, I, I'm sure it is. Like that's like real nature right there. And you know, I think a lot of us are settling for parks. And even that, actually, that's shut down recently. I think. Yeah. Public, public parks are like not doable right now but like if you have trees if you have sand if you have something that you can like interact with and that's why i think i'm spending some time looking at the sky i have a lot of concrete around me Mm -hmm. Um, and we do have a park across the street but we don't go there anymore we don't you've just chosen because we see people interacting and i guess that nowadays that's not a good thing so we're like ah let's just stay we'll stay clear and just do our own thing so we're on concrete a lot and um i miss i really miss being on grass i used to love walk you know running in the grass with my kids without my shoes on Mm-hmm. I really miss that you know but if you have like real nature outside that's huge but if you don't there's still plenty of things you can do to yeah, appreciate definitely just, just being in the present moment
0: I think even if you have a small patch of, of dirt or grass something, or like something. or one tree you could go and look at and just listen to the birds and you know even if you're yeah. in an urban environment there's usually there's usually something you can hang on to
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and rather than saying, "Well, you're lucky because you get to have this," but it's like, no, we all have something, probably. Yeah. Maybe not all, but I, I get there's some people who don't. But, but for the most part, there's something. There's trees. Um, there are there there are sounds of nature. You can feel the air, no matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. There's probably a slight breeze. You can feel all these little things if you really pause and notice them. They they go a long way.
0: And I think trying to. I'm curious what your take is on that, like trying to get to that place where we can actually pause. Um, and I've been talking a lot about nervous system regulation, and I've done a couple little—I did like a class on it, um, an online class—because I feel like it's so important right now. And and because I talk about it so much, and I'm, you know, the vernacular is really comfortable for me. Um, but I'm always, I always love hearing other people explain like what nervous system regulation is and. And just so people can hear it from different ways, because my audience has heard me explain it. So I'd love to hear, <clears throat> and maybe that's a little bit of a jump, but I think we're fine. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, your take on what is nervous system regulation. And then maybe we can talk o- about some ways that are, again, like we were just talking about, ways yeah. that are helpful to do th- that.
1: Recently, I've the the present moment has been coming up more and more and more as I write and talk about this stuff. Um, being in the present, if you're in the present moment, if you're consciously in the present moment in your body, you are regulated enough to be like, you're, you're in the present moment, your nervous system, you're in a safe and social state for the most part, probably if you can be in the present moment and tolerate the present moment and actually appreciate it or at least be in it, that's to me, that's regulation. It's Mm -hmm. when it's when we're dysregulated that we're not in the present moment. And now, and now it's more about fear or anxiety or anger or numbness or whatever it is, like all those things take us out of the present moment, out of our bodies in a way. And it becomes more of this fearful, mobilized, dysregulated kind of place. But if we exist in the present moment, to me, that is a a regulated nervous system. That's a nervous system that has access to the ventral vagal social engagement, safe Mm -hmm. and social state.
0: That makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah. So I think the present moment has been coming up more and more and more. I'm like, oh, we talk about climbing the ladder in our, safety system a lot, polyvagal ladder, but really what it comes down to is if you can do that, that means you're in the present moment. So it really, it's to me, for the present moment and self-regulation, those go hand in hand. There's like, we're saying the same thing basically, I think.
0: Yeah. I like that. And I think that's true because when we are able to be present, which that's all that is. So there isn't a lot of dysregulation happening. No. I think when we can fully be in our bodies and be present, we're just accepting whatever's happening. That's with the somatic experiencing work. I feel like that's one of the biggest things is, oh, this is happening. Okay. I'm here with it. And like, it's all, it's all okay. At that point.
1: It's witnessing, it's observing it. It's being curious about it. um, Non-judgmentally. And Mm -hmm. I think even if you have that stuff going on, those feelings, if you're more mobilized, if you can witness it or observe it or be curious about it, you're still in the present moment. Like you still have access to the present moment to be able to to notice what what is happening within you without judgment and with curiosity, without evaluation, you know, but and with curiosity.
0: What are some ways that you? Well, oh, I think I have a two part question. When do you when do you notice that you are in the present moment? Like, do you have do you have some moments where you're like, ah, oh, I'm really here right now, or do you feel like it's more of a continual state, or or even like, what do you recommend to the the students that you work with or the patients that you work with to help them identify? Oh, because I think sometimes people aren't sure.
1: I for I I think it's it's extremely dependent person to person. I'd be curious if you hmm. you know disagree, but like uh, there might be some universal things that we can all do, maybe like but I really think it's a person-to-person thing. Like, what is it that excites you? Or what is it that calms you? What is it that helps you connect with someone else? And I I think these things are, are so subjective. Yesterday I was doing, no, Sunday night I was doing a live stream and talking about the present moment. And someone said earlier today, I was in the present moment. And I was, she said I was doing air guitar to, oh, it was like David Bowie, I forget who it was, David Bowie or something like that.
2: Hmm.
1: Or air guitar to something or other circa 1985 it was some 1985 album she was doing air guitar and she was just like in the moment and for her that was being in the present moment and using that maybe that energy she had but really enjoying it and being in the moment having fun connecting with herself you know but that for me that's not that might not be my thing from mm-hmm. for me touch is extremely important like right now as i'm talking to you i'm holding things and i have a couple of things in front of me just to sort of i think visually also is something for me but i have things in front of me that i can hold as i talk to you to make sure that i'm grounded and I can mm. feel like the ink on this, on this marker I have. This is a, these are markers I love. I, I have tons of positive feelings associated with holding these because I love to mm. color and draw. And, but I can feel like the ink on the barcode of the marker, you know what I mean? But for you or for someone else, they might be like, that's ridiculous. That doesn't help ground me whatsoever. <laughs> but for me, this is like, this is, this is my present moment right here. Yeah. This, it, this totally helps me be in the present moment. So I, I think it's extremely subjective person mm. to person um i like to look at the clouds other people might be like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard i like to like i love looking at shadows shapes how they move it just does it for me mm. the next person they're like what are you doing you know what i mean it's just I, that's yeah so I, I what that means person to person i think there are probably some universal things like being in nature i think generally is a yeah. present moment cue of safety biological thing like we just connect with nature right? So I think there's probably some universal things, but, but I think there's also some really interesting subjective things that are different between nervous systems.
0: Yeah, I like that you bring that up. And I think that's a nice invitation for people too, who are interested in, in practicing more of this work to really be that curious explorer and find out, you know, what does feel good or what does help you feel more grounded or, you yeah. know, I don't really like to use the word safe, but essentially in a nutshell, you know, where do you feel... Like yourself and in your, in your body, what are you doing and where are you? And just start to notice those things.
1: That's exactly it. And there's things that we're pulled towards, I think that we're pulled towards. And when, when you do those things, like, but really, like, notice what it feels like and be in the moment.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I like to color and I could, or draw and I, I like to use markers. And I like to use, I like to ink things with black ink, but I can say I like those things and go do it. But that's a lot different than like really noticing the experience and being in the moment. And really yeah. noticing what things feel like, how my breathing is, and uh, all like it's it's a like the things you're pulled toward, really notice what it's like to do to do mm-hmm. those things I think, and that can easily those are we're not talking about like look you know close your eyes and meditate and look at the painful stuff. These are things that people enjoy like the things that you enjoy that you're pulled towards, really let yourself feel what it's like to do those things
0: absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the kind of the money spot for a lot of people. Um, it is. Yeah.
1: And if you're all like, of us, yeah. Yeah. I think with therapy and whatnot, the idea is to look at, or traditionally the way we've looked at this is more of a cathartic model, like look at the pain, talk mm-hmm. about it until it's no longer painful or whatever. But with this Avenue it's, it's called, it's more of like a building a distress tolerance, building the strength of the bagel break. I talk about that on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And the vagal break is your ability to tolerate distress or to grow your window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways of doing that is by tapping into those positive things, those calm, those in the moment, connective kind of things, more and more and more and really be in the moment, like really let yourself be there. And if you do that, what you're doing is strengthening the strength of your safety system, your social engagement system. You're strengthening all that circuitry basically. And that's going to help increase your distress tolerance. And then when you do tap into those painful things, you're going to have a safety sort of anchor. You're going to be more anchored in your safety system at the top of the polyvagal ladder. And I think those painful things are going to be a lot more tolerable or you'll be able Mm -hmm. to do it in doses rather than like getting way sucked into it Mm -hmm. and having it be out of control. So doing these positive, joyful things, connected things, calm things can make the other stuff I think a lot more tolerable.
0: Absolutely. And I love the way you just explained all that. I feel like I talk about that, but from a completely, it, it sounds very different when I say it. Right. So no, I, I get it. Yeah. I loved hearing that. Do you, are you familiar with uh, something you said made me want to bring this up with uh, Steve Hoskinson and organic intelligence?
1: I've heard that recently um, organic intelligence. I, and then mm-hmm. I went to his, I want to say it's, does he have a podcast?
0: He does, but I think it's old. It's called the end of trauma unless he may have a new one. Cause I feel I, like that listen- there's a,
1: no, uh-huh. I listened to like an episode of that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not super familiar with it, but I, I have some familiar with it.
0: I heard him at it. he was, there was a, like an informed trauma conference, a virtual summit a couple months ago and I saw him speak there. And one thing he said was that we had, we've become adapted to this therapeutic mo- model where we want to feel bad before we feel better. And so that alone can yeah. be almost dangerous to the system. Like we go in expecting to have these cathartic moments and then we feel better. And what you're talking about instead of what I really love to talk about and to teach people is this, let's just gravitate towards what feels good and let's explore that and swim around in it and really notice it. Not to say we don't work on the other stuff, No, no, no. but that it doesn't have to be this link of always, I'm going to feel better after I feel bad.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's not about ignoring the bad stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I know both of us, we probably don't like to call it bad, but it's just in general. It feels yeah, or bad. good. It, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, right, right. It feels bad. It feels good. But so that's the basic idea but they're just feelings. It's not, mm-hmm. it's neither good nor bad, I don't, I don't think. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm totally with you. It's not about ignoring the painful stuff. It's just about, well, we'll, we'll get there when we're ready to. And mm-hmm. people go into therapy and the therapist will say, tell me your stuff. But that doesn't mean the person's ready for it. Right. And, and if, if they go into that and they feel those hugely traumatic feelings, it's just reinforcing the traumatic state and Mm -hmm. I want people to exercise their safety system like they would a muscle Mm -hmm. like going to the gym like let's tap into that positive stuff and the other stuff's going to come up like it it just does it's going to come up those feelings are they have to come you know work through someone those uh that dysregulated state the stuck sympathetic energy all that trauma energy it has to work through so it's not like we're ignoring it it's going to come but we're going to handle it and manage it more from curiosity and acceptance versus let's just get through this and Mm-hmm. Bite the bullet, kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a much different uh, viewpoint, I think.
0: I think it is too. And it's, I've, even in some of the somatic experiencing classes, there'll be, you know, maybe one or two people that are kind of like, well, when do we get to the point of this? Like, when do we go in and, and like hit it? And I have to like explain this to my patients a lot too. I'm like, okay, this may seem really, really slow and gentle. And why am I asking you to tell me where you feel like yourself? But this is why, so that we can build yeah. this resiliency within your system.
1: Well, it's so. I, I'm wondering if part of that comes from it. And I fell into this was when I first learned about Peter Levine and saw him do what he does with a couple of his videos online. Mm-hmm. He's just working miracles. Like, he's just, he you know is. What I mean? I, he talks about yeah. Nancy. Yeah, and, like, I know he's, I'll call him a master at this, but like, he, you know, his, his story about Nancy, his, uh, the, the video online with the veteran. And he just like asked him to move his jaw slowly. And all of a sudden, the guy's like, Cured of mm-hmm. this PTSD stuff, at least that's what it looks like. So I'm like, well, how do I do that? You know, but it's in, even in in his writings, he does acknowledge it's not typically that simple. And his work with Nancy was like the first time, and since then he's worked more slowly. He'll build this, the the other stuff first. It's not just like a one time thing, I don't think. And it, so, but it, but you see that, and it's like, well, I want to do that, I want to do that mm-hmm. one piece of it, but it's typically not I don't think it's just that one piece of it where people are walking in, moving no. slowly, and all of a sudden they're discharged all that energy. I don't think that's the way it works no, I think not but usually. i'm not I'm not an s e practitioner so I'll, I'll mm-hmm. that.
0: I was just i did a, this archetype class with him, and it's the first time I've been in a class where he was teaching oh, recently cool. a few months ago, and it was interesting because we had a few different case consults come in, and we'd get a background on the patient and then. Peter would work with them and it, it was really interesting to see him work because he's so subtle and I think he sort of broke yeah. things down and then it was nice because he would explain to us what he was doing but it's like he would take things in places that were so subtle but so meaningful I think he he truly is like you know he is the master he created the, I the know. work so I um, know. but it's neat what? to watch other really skilled people do it as well I work with Abby Dr. Abby Blakesley, is who's been my primary teacher and she's very good at structuring like this is what's happening and here's what's happening next but she's kind of a magician too with it
1: i don't know if some if that's a natural thing or if they train themselves to do that or just learn along the way like or a combination of all those things but there seems to be when i watch just with peter's stuff and the way he speaks like it just seems so fluid Mm -hmm. like he just gets it and he's always in the present moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just like always ready to help someone get unstuck apparently
0: yeah I know. That's great. And I love that you're using the hashtag stuck, not broken. And I'd love to just ask you a little bit more about that and about these various states of stuckness that we may find ourselves in. And like, how do I identify what, if we even are stuck? Like what shows up in someone's life when they're stuck? And I know that's incredibly subjective, but-
1: Right. Like they know, people know. People know mm-hmm. if, if they're not happy with their life and they want to do better, but they're, they don't know how to make it happen. Or even if their best attempts, it's just not happening. They know. They know mm-hmm. it's like something, there's, there's a wall. There's something in the way. Mm-hmm. I want I want to move forward. I want to do whatever it is. I want to connect with myself or be in the present moment. I want to have a better relationship. I want a new job, but I, I'm not making these things happen. Like what's another, like the self-blame and judgment starts mm-hmm. to fall in. The, like people know, I think people know if they're stuck. And when I say stuck, I, so I prefer stuck, not broken over healing. And I, I think ultimately we're talking about the same stuff. Mm-hmm. but I don't think people are broken. I don't think as a therapist, it's my job to fix people. So healing doesn't, doesn't work for me personally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So stuck does because I think every single one of us has has an inner drive to connect with each other, to connect with ourselves, to be in the present moment. So, But something gets in the way and it might be trauma. It might be uh, attachment, parenting kind of stuff. It might be, I don't know, a whole bunch of stuff, right? That, and that takes us out of the present moment and more of into a dysregulated nervous system state. So we get stuck in these like flight places, fight places, or shutdown or freeze. We get stuck in these defensive states, but we're not broken. We're just stuck. Mm-hmm. That energy either gets stuck in there or our, our ability to go from shutdown, like this depressed, numb kind of place, and allow the energy to come back. That gets stuck. Like, the, we, when it does come back, it turns into like anger or super irritable. And then we kind of go back into shutdown again. So we we get stuck either climbing the ladder or the energy from a trauma gets stuck within us, but the issue is being stuck. None of us I don't think are broken Mm -hmm. or irreparable at all. And I think there's an inner drive just on the nervous system level or even deeper maybe, but on that nervous system level, that there's a drive to, to be safe and to connect with other safe mammals. I just, that's the way I, 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 it just makes more sense to me. And I think it's a lot more compassionate, a lot more hopeful as well. Mm-hmm. Versus if I say someone's broken, uh, it's, it's like, it doesn't seem to have as much hope for me. And right. it, it puts me in this position of, like, I know as a therapist, I'm supposed to be an expert, but, and I get that. But it seems to, to really like unlevel the playing field for me for some reason, mm-hmm. versus me saying, hey, I'm a nervous system. That is not perfect. So are you you're my client, I'm the therapist, I bring the expertise of the professional work, you bring the expertise of your life, we meet Mm -hmm. in the middle, and we help you get unstuck. To me, there's just a lot more equality and hopefulness there. And and it just implicitly recognizes that someone, that all of us are biologically driven to connect with each other. And Mm -hmm. just stuff gets in the way, that's it. And we get dysregulated, but that's, that's really it. It has nothing to do with some sort of irreparable harm that was done to us or being broken or anything like that.
0: Yeah. I really like that. I'm sure your, your patients probably like that too. It really is quite feels um, empowering for the patient.
1: I hope so. And um, that's a lot different than me telling them like, you're just born this way.
0: Mm-hmm. There's something it, really wrong with you. It's going to take some, a lot of time to fix.
1: This might be a lifelong condition Uh huh. and, or, you Ugh. know, or uh, there's a genetic abnormality or things I can't test for, but I know therapists say, mm-hmm. and you say those things and it's like, well, I'm the expert and I'm decreeing this. I'm deciding this without evidence. And that's a whole lot. That's a much different parent. That's a much different relationship to me versus I fully believe in you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think when you say stuck, not broken, that's an unconditional positive regard thing, which is very important in my my field. And like, how can I be of support to you? Like, that's that's it. Versus like, you're just born this way and now we got to manage this for the mm-hmm. rest of your life. And that's not very hopeful and it's not necessarily true either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like the what you said about leveling the playing field a little bit. Yeah. Just, it makes it especially when you work, well, when you work with anyone, I'll leave it at that. Um, I was going to... Bounce something off of that. Do you ever find that um, that people have trouble letting go of the idea of being broken? Or are people generally receptive to it? Like to, oh, think, okay, we can work I, through this.
1: I think that people can accept the idea, but then owning that on an emotional level hmm. um, is much different. There's things that make sense to us. And like my mind goes to, I work with um, parents in parenting groups and one of the fundamental truths that I give them in a parenting group is that we don't control our children and they make their own choices. All, All we do as parents is hopefully influence them to make good, really good choices. But once choices are made, we react to those choices. That's what we don't control what they do. And so I run through this and parents are like, yeah, I get it, it makes sense. But at the same time, as they get it inside, they're like, (laughs) anxiety goes way up. So it's like, I get it, but emotionally, I'm definitely not accepting that, even though it makes logical sense. In my body, I don't accept that,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. And so in my groups, I normalize the heck out of that, and I say, you're probably super anxious right now just hearing that idea, but I got you. We're gonna run through this, and so it makes sense on a logical level, and then we have answers for them, and it helps them calm down as well so i think there's things that we get but do we can we can we accept it on that more of emotional level Mm -hmm. oh sure i think people struggle with that
0: absolutely i think that's the harder one to conquer a lot of times our logical brain can make sense of things all day long but our bodies walk around holding on to something else entirely
1: yeah so people can hear this and be like yeah i'm I'm stuck awesome and (sighs) then and then the next time that they have some anxiety or something, they're gonna beat themselves up, and it's like, well, you lost, you lost the whole idea. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, like what you're feeling right now is some stuckness, or maybe the possibility of getting unstuck, and maybe it feels like anxiety. I don't know. And, and rather than owning that idea and applying it in the moment, you went to, oh, why, why won't this go away? And I hate this so much, and blah 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 blah. What's wrong so, with me? Exactly. Yeah, all those things that we that that we say. But if you recognize it as stuck not broken. Not that there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It feels painful. Yeah, I get that. But you're stuck. And if you can remember that, that might be a piece of coming back to the present moment. And that's a lot different than the other options.
0: A lot different. Yeah, or a lot different of even oh, I've got to go call somebody else or see, go see my therapist right away or do a million different other things to change what's yeah. happening right now. Even if it's like, oh, I've got to go do like yoga or I need to go meditate for five minutes. I mean, those are great practices. But I think, again, if we can just pause and be like with what is happening and remember that, you know, remember like, oh, this is stuck or hey, this is an old pattern that's that's back again. Hello, you know, I know who you are. And <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: um, I started picturing I started picturing this big green dragon for my own particular stuck pattern. And I've, that's something new. I mean, I don't know where that was something. Yeah, that my- I my, love that uh, though. I love it too. When I was just having a real stuck moment like an hour before we got on here in the tub. And then I was like all sad and feeling all these things, you know, as, as humans do. And I remembered this dragon idea. So I just like put him in the tub too. And then he was kind of yeah. like a pal and then I asked <laughs> him to go away and he did. And I was like, oh nice. Great. Here we go. Um,
1: I love the visualizations that people mm-hmm.
0: don't consciously
1: come up with, but just come up with.
0: That are just there.
1: Yeah. But, no. it, but it, it says something about the person and in therapy, I love when we talk about the somatic pieces of it and I'll, I'll invite them and say like, if something pops in your mind, like, let me know. And there's mm-hmm. some super interesting things that, that people come up with. And a couple of my clients are like, apparently more visual than others maybe and they Mm -hmm. get some so fascinating like things and then they'll say like it feels like I don't know a cloud and I'll say well tell me what the cloud feels like or you know what's the cloud doing or what are you doing on the cloud is there anybody with you we we develop the image Mm
2: -hmm. and it's just
1: like it it brings them more in their body even though we're talking about these images Mm -hmm. those images represent I think what they're not feeling Mm-hmm. or what they maybe what the next step is i think and i'm still working this idea out but i think the images have a lot to do with what are what's going on somatically and i think Peter know i mean i know he did, he would say the same thing with his SIBAM. yeah yeah while, i was right? just gonna ask about that yeah, yeah. definitely so, definitely yeah so i'm seeing i'm only I'm very limited with my understanding of SIBAM just based on his books but um i, I love playing with the, with the images in session and, in f- and like developing them
0: yeah, absolutely. And for, for people that have difficulty with the sensation or with some of the body based stuff, being able to bring that image in. And then it's like yeah. you can check in with the image and then check back in with the body. And yeah. it's, you know, and even doing it for myself, for my own practice and um, things that I talk about and teach, it's, it's incredibly powerful because sometimes you can ask people a million times, you know, what are you feeling? What are you noticing? And, you know, yeah. Maybe they just don't have that dialed in or it's harder for them. It's hard for, for some people. So the image it is a really is. beautiful way. Yeah, it is.
1: Well, all, and all these things, the images, the bodily feelings, the thoughts, all of these things are fluidly uh, pieces of kind of where people are at and where they're kind of where they need to go. And I think sometimes the images are clues as to where we need to go next.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, but like, it's all part of the same thing. And we sort of divide it up. Like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling as if they're distinct. This is, these are the images I have in my head, like these, as if these are like distinct things. And conceptually it, it makes sense to break them up, but really they're really fluid. I think they very much interact with each other. And in therapy, people have the moment to like, to fluidly go amongst those things. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's super fascinating to see people non-judgmentally, see how they feel, see what images pop in their mind, see what memories come up. See what uh, thoughts they have about it, um, all those things. You know, it's it's super neat to see them sort of dance and like fluidly go through those things.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It is, and to and to feel different at the end, generally. And yeah, yeah. Um, typically, a little bit, you know, better. Although I don't love using those words either. But
1: <laughs> I got you. Though,
0: um, I'm curious too about situational stuckness, and I, I don't know that I have a specific question about this, but I, what I'm noticing is. With what's happening with the COVID-19 and we have this kind of global situation that maybe some people are feeling more stuck with it. And I think what I'm seeing happen with, you know, particular people that I'm working with and with myself to some extent is some of this, some of these things that have maybe been around for a while and we've, um, you know, possibly like to work through or become, you know, more at peace with in our bodies and in our, you know, the fluidness of our systems, but that this event is almost like triggering another level of like stuckness where these things are showing up for us in a different way. Does that make sense?
1: Kind of. Um, where where I went was I I'm, I'm really wondering what's gonna what's, this is gonna look like at the end of it. And I hope the end of it is obviously soon. Mm-hmm. But I'm really wondering if people are gonna emerge from their caves and have a deeper appreciation for each other and for The sunlight you know what i mean and yeah i'm really really wondering if um and i'm hoping that's kind of what happens you know and that we have this deeper appreciation this is an opportunity globally for that to happen i don't know and that's Mm -hmm. a silver lining i I guess from all the pain but this is a global thing that Mm -hmm. every single one of us more or less is feeling so at the end of this is there you know what, what what are we left with like i'm really curious about that yeah. So that's what popped in my mind. I don't know if that had anything to do with what you said, but that's
0: eh, that's, that's right. <laughs> that wasn't much of a question. Just me musing for a few minutes. Yeah,
1: ditto. Yeah, yeah. So I, I threw that out there. But, I like uh, that. That's my hope.
0: Um, I think it's a I good think hope. There's going
1: to be a lot more children born in about nine months as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. Talk about being in the moment, though. Sex is a good way, I think
1: probably a lot of people or i think
0: orgasm is it's not gosh i talked to this fascinating doctor a couple weeks ago and she was saying that there's only two two times for women when we get out of this need to try to um like analyze or put everything in pieces and one i think it was something like that or multitasking and one of it was orgasm and i forget what the other one was i think it was like a some kind of a meditation type thing really yeah. It was with uh, Dr. Jessica Drummond was the one telling me that she does a lot of work with women's hormones and she's a public oh, health therapist.
1: I want to get someone on my podcast that can speak to that. I don't, um, I work with teenagers, so I don't do a whole lot of the, mm-hmm. I'm not, that's not sure. coming up a whole lot, yeah. but, um, I really want to get someone on the podcast. And there's a couple people out of mine that, uh, specialize in like sex therapy, but also mm-hmm. are poly, polyvagal informed. Oh, I, that's great. Yeah, but that, that that could easily be one of those ways that I guess some, yeah. someone could like connect or be in the moment or release some tension, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, especially now, and to that extent too. I know you talk about play a lot, and I I really like that because I think as a society we we've, we've lost a lot of the sense of what it is to really play, and even as children now, I, I've in. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot more structure I see in, in, I don't have kids, but just in the kids around me in my neighborhood and friends with kids and my nieces and nephews and all of those things, it feels much more structured or there's the potential for it to be much more structured than like when I was a kid and we're playing in the woods and oh, yeah. there wasn't. Yeah. And so I'm, and then as adults, I think a lot of us really aren't sure how to play. So I'm just curious, especially now when we have more time and the kids are home, like ways to introduce play you know, as an adult and with your kids,
1: I think uh, parents. The easiest way is what what what's fun for you, and include your kids in it. Like it's that's really it's just that simple. And but if if that's not your thing, if you don't know what your fun thing is, or you don't mm-hmm. like playing with your kids, and I work with plenty of parents who are like, I don't play. Well, you don't play maybe with the ways that your kids are doing, but kids will follow your lead. So if you're curious about something, and play can be baking, it can be just trimming the bushes in the backyard. My, my daughter and I used to do that when she was like three, four. Mm-hmm. I had these like clippers, these huge like clippers, and she had her own huge set of clippers, and uh, which was very dangerous, but she was good at it. And like at four years old, she's out there like doing some heavy duty like clipping with me. But it was our bonding time and it was work. It was definitely work, but we also were playing in a way because we were having a good time. We were bonding with each other.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: involving kids and things that you would do anyways, that could count as play. You're socially engaged but you're mobile. And that's what play is, is, is having access to your mobilization system while you're safe and social. Mm-hmm. So we call that play. It could be, so it's just play, play can be shared work. Um, I've thought about involving my daughter in my podcast since we're home together hmm. and I'm not sure how to do that, but that could be play. You know what I mean? And I think she'd like that.
3: How old's oh, your daughter?
1: Uh, 10 and a half. Okay. Yeah. And um, she's done a couple of intros for me in, in the past episodes about parenting. But, um, you know, it's so there's things that like, you naturally like to do, you know, I I love playing catch. I love playing catch. It's like the best thing in the world. If you give me a ball and a mitt, I'm in heaven. If you give me a football and someone to throw it with, like, it's just the best thing. Hmm. So I know that, but I'm also curious about what my kids like to do. And right now my four-year-old son, he's super into like jumping off of things and posing, like a superhero, I guess.
0: (laughs) That sounds really
1: fun, right? So he he goes like, "Do you want, do you want to see my cool jumps?" And so I could do that with him. I haven't yet, but I could do that with him, and he would love it. But I could also like watch him and cheer him on, and like, you know what I mean, like pump him up. And for him, he's that's play, even though I'm not doing it mm-hmm. yet. I probably will, but um, like that's that counts as play. You're socially engaged he's mobilized I'm just sitting there but he's mobilized and as long as I he has my attention that's play it counts doing a puzzle can be play Uh, even though you're not super mobilized like you're still socially engaged and you're you're working on something together that's that's play Mm -hmm. Um, playing video games can be play there's a lot of mobilized. even though you're not like running around that mobilization system is definitely kicked on it's pretty intense
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: we've been doing a lot of Mario Kart in this house, and, they, and we love it. It's it's all four of us can sit down and play Mario Kart, and it's a blast. Like we genuinely have a good time. Um, so there's like what play doesn't mean, what maybe what someone thinks it means, and there's mm-hmm. time. There's so much room of what that could look like, and so it's again like what do you pull toward? Like parents, what do you pull toward, and bring your kids along? Like get them involved in it. You know, I love to draw. If I have uh, Pencils and paper for my son over here, and I'm over here doing my thing. We're good. Like, we're doing it together. Counts as doing it together. Or we, we can work on the same piece of paper together, which I have a lot of control issues about, but still. Because <laughs> it's like, I nah, don't do that. But yeah, sure. Let that go. And then you can, that counts as play. That, that's play. And, and all these things are, but it has to come from genuine fun and interest. Mm-hmm. So you can't plop your kid down with markers and then be on your phone. That's not play. Mm -hmm. That doesn't count, you know, so it has to be something you're genuinely interested in Mm -hmm. and you're not distracted by anything else. You're actually in the present moment doing that thing with your kids or with your spouse too, you know, whatever it is. And that's, that's it. That's all there is too. It's, so it's, it's not that complex. It's not that intimidating. It's just about having fun and doing, following what is you're, you're actually interested in and -hmm. then involving your kiddos along with it.
0: So simple.
1: It really is. It really, really mm-hmm. is, not I, I work with parents who are telling me that they don't play, and then, no, like let's get a little bit creative about it. There's things you like,
3: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like there's things in life that you enjoy, so do those with your kids, if you can. Like do those with your kids. You know, my daughter's not going to talk about borderline personality disorder with me on the podcast, but <laughs> but she might be able to do an intro or an outro or mm-hmm. something like that. Like I can involve her in some way, if I was really creative, you know. But uh, there, there's things out there. It's just how creative can you get? And if you really want to, you'll, you'll figure it out. Like you'll get creative.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If nothing else, whatever it is that you're doing, like in those moments where you're, you're thinking, oh, I should play with my kids, but I'm on Facebook right now. In those moments where you have that realization, stop doing the thing that you're doing. Stop doing the distraction. Put it away. Make yourself get bored.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you're bored, you'll get really creative. And mm-hmm. your interest in your family is going to grow way up and you'll just start doing stuff. And I go, catch is a great way. If you have a balloon blown up, kids are entertained for hours. Knock the balloon in the air, see how long you can keep it in the air until it falls on the floor. You're like, they're good for hours. You know what I mean? It, it's really not that complex, but put away the distractions, allow yourself to get bored, and then you'll get mm-hmm. creative to relieve your boredom.
0: I think that's a big piece, allow yourself to get bored because we so infrequently do that.
1: Very true, very true. I
0: think- Even as adults trying to figure out how to play, I think that's really solid advice is just to take a look at what you're interested in, see if you can involve your partner. Is there common interest? And can we do one of those things?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we got the Nintendo Switch and my wife and I have been playing um, Mario Kart on our our own a couple of times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we played uh, Animal Crossing and that's just like Animal Crossing is a super peaceful, cute, like fun game. No action. It's not intense. It's just calm. And it's Mm -hmm. just like the perfect thing to play with the kids in bed, it's it's like it's just pure peace.
0: It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time because it's kind of late. Um,
1: I have more for you if you like, but no, I'm I'm good too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can I? Well, I want to bring up one more thing, just because I do uh, I do work with uh, with sober women, and I was having a conversation with a woman today, and this kind of circles back to something I was going to say earlier. But with the stuck, not broken piece. And she mentioned that, you know, she's been alcohol free for a while. She doesn't identify as an alcoholic. And I'm not really even sure what she put in place to get sober. We didn't get into that. But she said one of the really striking things for her was reading something in uh, Laura McCowan's book that said, you know, you're, you're not the most complicated person on the planet. Um, and she said that really struck a chord with her (laughs) and like enabled her to make some changes, you know, just to, and I think it's a a similar concept of you're not, you're stuck, you're not broken. And I'm just wondering if you could, I know you don't work a lot with addiction or I don't think you do. Um, I used to. Okay. So yeah, I'd love to hear your take on that.
1: On that in particular, um, on that in particular...
0: Or how how right now, and I maybe I'm jumping around, but it's okay. I'll finish up in a second. Um, I know right now the issue of of drinking for people that are that are sober or that want to be sober is is a challenging one. With being uh, you know more isolated, and with you know liquor stores are open and it's really easy to to access. And people are bored, but they're not exercising these other avenues of creativity or safety, so they're turning to this substance which they're you know potentially i'm not saying everyone who drinks is doing this but right, some right. people probably are you know are are using it to try to create some of that regulation or to to feel better or to i don't know create a different yeah create a different state so speak to that in any way you'd like <laughs> well i, I think
1: the, the first thing you said about that you're not that complex or not the mm-hmm. most complex it's, it's just interesting the things that like get through to us you know mm-hmm. the messages that just sort of click it's just it's just interesting, and maybe that person just that was the, the message that sort of I don't know got through somehow, and unlocked something within her. And I think that's just fascinating what those messages are that kind of you know that might unlock something, you know. And it's I wish I knew the formula for that because I say some brilliant stuff in therapy. I think right,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's so I'm brilliant praying all day long, right. <laughs> and then the next time we meet, I'm like, oh, that one thing I said, pff, game over, like healed. Or unstuck, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And no, it didn't work out that way. And, but they'll say like, there was something you said last week. And I'm like, oh, I know what it is. And it'll be something that I just didn't even,
3: huh.
1: that it's something that stuck with them that I didn't care less about. Like It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't seem important when I said mm-hmm. it. Or I might, never, I might not even remember what it was, but there was something I said that wasn't what I thought I said. Something else entirely that just clicked for them. And help them get to the next step and i wish we there was a formula where we we would know those little unlocks and i think that they're out there and for every now and then someone will get those little unlocks and it's like they get to the next step mm-hmm. you know they climb their polyvagal ladder a little bit maybe or find maybe it might reduce mental clutter i don't know but it, it, that's just interesting
0: mm, it is
1: yeah and then um what was the second part about uh, oh the addiction and boredom
0: yeah. And it being harder right now with isolation for people.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot more of kind of what we've been talking about with um, being in the present moment
3: mm-hmm.
1: and rather than waiting for the problem, proactively bring yourself to the present moment. So what I mean by that is waiting until there's some sort of crisis and then doing a grounding skill, I think is the wrong way to go. Because, I mean, do it, go do it, like do that. But before the fact, before there's a problem, before there's a crisis, before there's some sort of huge craving or potential for relapse, I want you, to, like, people to be practicing these grounding skills. I don't know how much, but maybe as much as possible, but like practice these things well ahead of time, build that social engagement system and the safety system, build that as much as you possibly can well ahead of time no don't just hang out and wait for things to get bad and then be like oh I better do a grounding skill like that's a good mm-hmm. idea that's fine but th- at that point it's like I-, I don't want people like putting out fires all the time yeah and like proactively bring yourself to the present moment as much as you can in a fun way not I'm not talking about like meditate and look at painful stuff I mean like have fun play with your kids draw something squeeze some clay whatever it is that your thing is, you know, Um, dance like Patrick Swayze, (laughs) whatever, you know what I mean? Like do those things that bring you connection and safety and fun and joy. And then when the crisis rolls around, yeah, it's probably still gonna suck, but the next time it might be a little bit more tolerable, hopefully the capacity to like be with that pain or that intensity that the capacity to hold that in your skin a little bit longer, it might be there, you know, like that's, that's my hope. So I think the more you do that, I think the better off you'll be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that was very, very well put. Oh, nice. And and like the bonus of all that is it's pretty fun (laughs) to practice being present when you're enjoying yourself. It's really fun.
1: It can be. So I think the, I don't know if people are going to leave here and be like, yeah, I got it. I, I'm, I'm going to do that. We think it's brilliant, but they might not, might not have clicked <laughs> it's, with them, right? It's true. So they might, there might be a mental obstacle there of believing that they, or feeling, not be a mental thing, but a feeling of like, do I deserve that? Irene mm-hmm. Lyon says that we have to believe we deserve things. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. But do you believe you deserve it? Do you believe you're worth that? I do. I know you believe that about people. I have no doubt. So everybody else is on board. That one person that's hearing this, they need to believe that. And if they can't believe it, like, well, we do. So someone out there does.
2: Mm-hmm. And I,
1: I believe that about every single one of us, just intrinsically, that we are, we are worth that. You know, even Absolutely. if we don't believe it, like we, we, we deserve it. We're worth it. Um, we're capable of it. So if those mental blocks, like those are, those are big, those emotional blocks, the judgment, that's a feeling, that's a state mm-hmm. of being, like, it's huge. I know. So they can hear us and be like, yeah, that makes sense. But there's all this stuff that's blocking that, you know? So it's like, if you can notice that the green dragon, maybe notice it mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, I see you. I'm not going to kick you out. You're welcome to to hang out with me, but I'm also going to go play with a balloon with my kids. You're welcome to come if you want to, whether you do or not, I'm going to go do this and have fun. Mm-hmm. Like if you can be with the, the green dragon or whatever the heck it is and not judge it, not be mad at it and just say, Hey, I see you. I'm not mad at you, but I'm going to go squeeze some clay. You know, I think it's uh, you might be a little bit better off.
0: Yeah. I like that.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, thank you for, thanks so much for chatting. It's lovely. It's so fun to talk about all these things. I it really is. I do a good it, time. Yeah. Yeah, good. Me too. Um, I look
1: forward it, to the third time.
0: Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> oh, <need> that's <laughs> not, now. All my
1: hope is just got sucked out of me. Oh, man.
0: Oh, well, luckily you know how to <laughs> deal with it.
2: So <laughs> I trust you'll be
0: okay. <laughs> you're, a sk- you're a skilled I've practitioner. Got,
1: I've got my fidget, so I'm good. Yeah. Oh, you got all I kinds have, of stuff. This is a Galactus um, Lego that my son left in here. So, yeah.
0: Oh, cool. <laughs> you got lots of toys? Um, I do, Yeah. It, is there anything you want to pitch or tell people? Talk oh, about your sure. podcast, Have a do a do some self promotion here, please. Sure, sure.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I do a the course. The Poly- Polybagel podcast, and we talk about or not. We my, my co-host is no longer my co-host, so it's a solo oh. podcast now. Uh, Mercedes uh, was ready to go on to another uh, little uh, journey, so I'm super excited for her. And, uh, so it's a solo podcast, it's called the polyvagal podcast. So I have that every single week, I upload at least one episode. And recently I've been talking about, um, the DSM diagnoses Hmm. in comparison to the polyvagal theory. So today, uh, was narcissistic personality disorder Hmm. before that last week was borderline. Um, so some super interesting things I've had a lot of fun with it. So I have that justinlmft.com lots and lots of resources there. And I have a Patreon with even more, even more, um, lots and lots. I have like seven plus hours worth of audio. I just sitting there waiting to be listened to, waiting to be binged. And I've been binging it myself. I'm like, my God, is there more? I I can't get to the end point. There's a lot of stuff. And, uh, so I have, there's a lot I have going on and I I think JustinLMFT.com is probably a good starting point.
0: It's a great site. And who do Thank you, you. Um, who is your audio for? Like if people are listening to this and they like hearing you, is it meant to be, I mean, obviously it's not a replacement for therapy, but is it no. like a nice addition for someone who so. is in therapy?
1: Or well, what I'm hearing is people that are, well, people that are trauma survivors, they, they love it. And they, they get mm-hmm. a lot of, it helps them in their process. It's a, it's a resource, great. but I'm also hearing from therapists that are using my, my podcast as part of, as a resource in therapy. And so them and the client have this like shared language and they might go into the stuff that I talk about in the podcast. Um, so it's, a, it's just a resource. It's a resource for people. And it, it you know I guess it has some of those magical unlocks. I don't know what, what they are, but people write to me saying like, this was a big part of me getting unstuck or healing or whatever they want to call it. So seems like it's helpful. It's not therapy, but people are finding it therapeutic. I think I can say that. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think it's just a fantastic resource for people to learn more about all this stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. That's for anyone, wonderful. I mean, the
1: teachers listening to it, therapists, mm-hmm. I mean, survivors, parents, uh, what do you call them? Bodywork massage therapists. Like mm-hmm. there's a huge range of people who are just in the wellness sphere and are, are listening.
0: That's great. Well, thanks for Thank you for doing that and for providing that service. I know that's how I thought to contact you earlier this week as I had just sent somebody to your site and to your podcast. Oh, you. And yeah, definitely. It's, it's like you said, a great resource.
1: That means a lot. The, the somatic experiencing people, practitioners and whatnot. Um, a lot of this is porges polyvagal theory, but I incorporate a lot of what I'm reading from Peter Levine also and just from my own work and therapy. Like, So to have, have that buy-in means a lot to, uh, to me. So thank you very much.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: All
0: right. right. Well, I'll put all your links in the show notes and uh, Thank thank you again for coming on.
2: You're welcome. Bye. Bye.